So I'm going to start us off with reading Psalm 18, verses 28 through 33, if you guys want to make your way there. I love this psalm because it's a really humbling psalm, and it reminds us that we don't always have to rely on our human intellect and our own strength. We have a mighty God that encourage us to, he encourages us to look to him and to look to him for this kind of guidance and strength and this power. And when we do this, we can experience what it's like to be in communion with him and to feel his power through us. It's a pretty amazing thing. So let me read this psalm to you. It is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lights up my darkness. By you I can crush a troop, and my God I can help I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The promise of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock besides our God? The God who girded me with strength and made my way safe. He made my feet like deer, he made my feet of a deer and set me secure on heights. So God can help us overcome so many challenges if we bring him into the circumstance. We do this through prayer and petition. Let me pray for us today. Dear Holy Father, what an amazing God you are. That you would supply us with these opportunities to look to you. And that you would walk with us and actually support us. Giving us wisdom, understanding, and discernment. That's amazing. It's amazing that you're living and you're an active part of our lives. So Lord, we thank you for this. And I ask you to help my brothers and sisters here today and on Facebook and across the world to remember this during their times of struggle, their times of trial, and even when they celebrate, knowing that all things are from you and that they can invite you into those celebrations to give you the glory. Lord, be with us today. Be with Pastor Jonathan as he makes his way here and empower him through his words as he shares his message with us today. Lord, we lift up all those that can't be here and those that are enduring this pandemic and might be in isolated and alone places, Lord. We ask you to find ways to reunite them and connect them with their church family, their friends, and all those who love them. Lord, we pray for those that continually are working out in the front lines and that are doing their best to take care and support everyone that's facing this illness and the impact that it's had. So Lord, we thank you and we rest our cares and worries at your feet as we get ready to hear this message today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Felipe. Amen. Good morning. 
How you guys doing? Ready to sing some praises? Amen? Alright, here we go.
Such service. Thank you, Shayna. Thank you, wifey. You can get a taste of what her life has been like for the past couple of weeks. We're going to jump into the time of the word of the Lord this morning. And right before we do that, will you pray with me? Because we were doing a Bible study this past week in Spanish, and we talked a bit about the Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit in the church. And one of the primary things we know is that the Lord sent, Jesus sent us this Holy Spirit, his very spirit, that would remind us of everything that he taught. And being Presbyterians, being Reformed people of faith, one of the, one of the strengths of our church is that we return to that truth found in Scripture over and over again that we can't even understand what we're reading without the, the spirit of our, of our Lord giving us understanding. And so it becomes not even human discussion and human meditation, but the Lord himself comes and helps us hear sermons and, and read scripture from his own mouth as, as if the Lord was speaking to us. That's how important this time is. But we need to always be filled with the humility needed for, for coming before Scripture or talking about Scripture, knowing that we desperately need um, the Lord's help in understanding it. So let's pray to that effect. Lord God, we, we do ask now that as we open up your Scriptures, as we focus on your Word, that this would be an, another opportunity to be hearing from you. This would be another opportunity where we can, we can learn more about what what it is to be the created, that you are the Lord God, and that we are your creation. We ask that your Holy Spirit would give us understanding, would enlighten our minds now in the meditation of our hearts as we better understand who you are, who we are, and who you have created us to be. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So, how's everybody doing? Yeah, we're opening back up. COVID land is, is starting to ease up a little here. We're back in red tier, so it's good. And obviously, we'll be back here in the sanctuary now for a few weeks. I was able to join everybody last week online. And um, again, what a blessing it was to have Jordan here and, and sharing the sermon last week, a strong message. Um, we're going to be continuing in the series today, Live His Love. And... As each week we do, we'll read verses 4 through 8, and then today we'll be specifically focusing on the second part of verse 6. So this is what the word of the Lord says for us today. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And so we give thanks to God to have this word with us today. As we read the, this passage every week, you know, we're doing, we've been doing it for four weeks now. We'll do it for a few more. Ideally, the, 
you are going to have this whole thing memorized. In fact, I'm guessing some of you already do. As, as we read it each Sunday, I think you are already catching on to how the flow is of this very important passage on love. This series is focusing on harnessing this phase of our lives, our, our lives of reopening, and asking how we might best harness the potential of this moment in our lives. Even after a year that's been, has been so bitter at times, uh, turbulent, filled with loss, even after such a year as this, how do we turn to the Lord to find how it could be used so that we could even be more mature in our faith, better equipped to live this life now than we were even a year ago? And I say a year ago because this is the Sunday. This is it. A year ago this Sunday is when we stopped everything. A year ago this Sunday is when we officially sent that email out saying we would be only joining together this week in your homes. And here is the, here's the link to how to start trying to get online, which took a few months for everybody to figure out. But we got there. We learned through that. What else might the Lord be, learn, be having us learn right now? As we jump into this particular verse in this passage, we're going to hear about this word truth, and then we're going to hear about the idea of rejoicing in that truth. So we're going to first focus in on this idea of truth. And Paul is pushing in on you, asking a question, if we're living in reality or truth, or rather the opposite of, the opposite of that, which would be something like an illusion. The word that you find here, love rejoices with the truth. The word for truth was used equally in, in the culture in which Paul's writing, this Greek culture, for both truth and also the idea of what's real or reality itself. Love, Paul is saying, rejoices with the things that are true or the things that are of reality. And most specifically, the things of reality as as we know them to be in, in God's creation. Love rejoices with those who are living in reality or living in the truth of how things are in this world. I want to imagine with you a person wearing Mickey ears. You can make this person in your imagination, male or female, doesn't matter. But imagine someone wearing those ears you would buy if you've spent a full day at Disneyland. And this person, young person is so enamored by this experience. Just a day full of joy, the happiest place on earth. And they've, they've, they spent their entire day there, going on all the rides. You know, Disneyland's reopening, I guess, in about a month and a half, some, some capacity. Imagine some person goes and they're just so amazed by their experience. They make, they make a decision here and there, right, right there. Bind the ears and now I'm going to spend the rest of my life in Disneyland. I'm going to get one of those really expensive fancy passes, which they apparently don't have anymore, but they're going to, they're going to spend every single day now, the rest of their life, waking up and going to Disneyland. And they're going to be there until the fireworks and the end it closes, and then they're going to go home. But Disneyland is such a magical place, the happiest place on earth, that this person, very young person, decides... That's how, I'm going to, that's how I'm going to spend the rest of my life, and it's going to be my best life possible. 
So come what may in their life, all the phases, eventually falling in love with somebody and getting married, eventually having children, this person then has a, has a career. But nevertheless, every single day goes to Disneyland. All throughout their life, they have this rhythm of finding this happiest place on earth. As they get to be the end of life, there's that moment where, where people start coming as the person is getting close to passing on. But the conversations are interesting between this person and those that have been friends or family in this person's life. While this, you know, this, this person that you've constructed with the Mickey ears now laying there in hospice, as they're reflecting upon this life of Disneyland and, and perhaps the different rides they've been on and the attractions, begin to realize how much they've missed out. The, the person that they married comes in and says, it was such a beautiful wedding, but then you were completely checked out the rest of the time in your Disneyland. The children come in and and the same sort of conversation happens. And then also this sense within this person that having spent their entire lives in some fantasy world and not in reality has now left them with questions about how they've spent their life. What was the purpose of it all? Paul is pushing on us today to consider how maybe we live our own version of Disney life and maybe don't even realize it. Because like spending a day at Disneyland, there are many ways in which humans would create fantasy narratives or pursuits in this life that might seem to us, at least in that moment, or even a season of life, to be what we are to be the best way for us to find fulfillment and, and, and happiness. But these ways that we'll call Disney lives are often, the ones that were fed in this world, are often not the ones that are based in God's narrative. They're often ones that don't have God in focus. They're ones in which, as we hear in Jeremiah 2, are like these cisterns that we try and dig but ultimately don't hold water this is jeremiah 2 13 this is the lord god speaking my people have committed two sins if you're newer to the church and to christianity sometimes the word sins scares you away don't don't worry sins just means the ways in which we are not listening to god can we, it doesn't have to be so traumatic of a word. Sin means the ways in which we are not following the Lord. Now, there are huge repercussions for doing this, but sin is simply when we try and do it ourselves without consulting how the Lord has designed us and created us to do it. So my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. A cistern, if you don't know, is basically just a well, a place where you can hold water. 
So the Lord is, is speaking through the prophet Jeremiah then and to the church now that we are very good at being like these engineers, these civil engineers in life that, that, that seek to, to dig our own wells of meaning in life. But if they are not focused on the narrative of God, if, the, if God is not in focus as we're looking for that water, then any hole we dig, as good as it might seem, will eventually come to it. And there'll be the day, and there will be the day in which we come to it, and what's in there? Nothing. No more. <laughs> no living water. We have different versions of our life that, that we learn over time. Different narratives that we, that we enter into in the different phases of life. I was thinking about how when we're younger and in more like teenage years, uh, the versions of life that we live is the ultimate purpose can become uh, finding myself, finding my identity, uh, finding my way into a good college and eventually trying to find what will bring me, what will bring my uh, myself purpose as a career. Eventually move into younger adulthood and, and as that pursuit of self-discovery of utmost importance continues, then also there's this idea of, of, of your love, of finding um, eventually someone you'll marry, the adventure uh, of that stage of life, but that can become that utmost purpose and still um, an utmost purpose of living through your passions. You get later into the life of being a, <clears throat> of being a parent, and as you do this, then uh, utmost importance becomes giving your kids the best experience possible in life and, and the most opportunities possible through sports, through, through academics, um, through, through different other organizations that might give them as much uh, opportunity as possible to grow up so that you fulfilled your, your goal as a parent. And later in, into a later adulthood, I think an utmost goal and the narratives that we live with become something like how to stay young. Um, how, how to maintain um, uh, purpose in our lives and, and, and continue to, to be the person other people are expecting us to be. And this idea of finding my best life now, these utmost goals. And then I think lastly, into the later stages of life and into retirement, uh, our utmost goals become something like how to enjoy the fruits of the labor of our lives that we have that we have stored up now into retirement and to enjoy these years that we've been long waiting the freedom that we have in this phase of retirement all of these all of these utmost goals and different phases of life are not inherently bad in fact them a lot of them are god created they're who we are and the issue is not that we would we would pursue them as aspects of our life. The issue becomes when they become the way or the narrative, our main focus in life. Instead of letting them be aspects in themselves while our focus is always on God. Our eyes are always on the plan and the narrative of God being carried out in our lives in any stage that we're in. And these other things that happen in different parts of our life are simply like the roles in which we play, always in this larger plane, this larger story 
of God. As we're self-discovering, as we're learning what college we might go to, as, as we learn about what it means to be a parent or, or how to have our best life now, all of those aspects of life always have to be questions or themes that bring us to who? To God. Because if we spend our entire life living in our Disneyland, well, what's wrong with that? What do you think? What will happen at the end of life if we spend all of our time at Disneyland? Think of the lack of responsibility that is for the people around us. Think of actually the lack of care we're giving ourselves by not living in reality, but living in this illusion world. It becomes something like a drug that, that we can pump into our veins nonstop. But in some ways, it's only going to be giving us that hit in the moment. And it's tricking us and, and our souls into thinking that this is actually going to be okay. Paul is calling us to this idea of love. He's saying that true love, if we're going to really take this seriously, only happens when we are living in God's reality. You can only love when God is in focus. I'm not talking about the sentimental, emotional love. You might be able to do that in whatever Disneyland you want. But if we're talking about God-defined love, the actual fabric of our creation, that type of love, Paul is saying, you can only love when your focus is on God. You can only be a person of love when you are in God's narrative. I'm grateful that we can, we can see Jesus as the, uh, the symbol, or even better than that, that the model when he came to live, that he came as this form of love. And he came not to live in the illusion world. He came to not find his Disneyland in Palestine. But he came, he came to live in reality for us to show us what life in that reality can look and feel like. And part of that good news, part of the, the, the amazing good news of Jesus coming to live in reality is it meant that he would go and do what it took to be God's version of love. That's what leads him to the cross. That's what leads him to this resurrection. And because Jesus was willing to live in reality and not in some Disney life, not in the illusion, or not in the world of broken cisterns, because he was willing to come and live in reality, it meant, it meant that he would save all people. It meant that he would seek and save us. It meant that for you, his living in reality means that he would come to call you brother and sister and to follow him and to find life abundant and everlasting. This was only possible because of love, because Jesus is willing to not live in the illusions, but to take on the reality of God's plan and God's story. Uh, sometimes focus with focusing on God and living in that narrative may seem counterintuitive to us, logically. It might seem like the wrong place to go, 
um, emotionally, doesn't maybe always seem like the happiest place on earth. But love is not guided by emotion. Ooh, like that one. <laughs> love is not guided by emotion. Love is guided by a focus on the Lord God. And for Jesus, that meant ultimately that sacrifice on the cross to save us in every way we need saving. But as a model for us, Paul is saying, in which now we are called to live in that same reality, to live in the reality of God and to be people that are also connecting each other and helping people connect back to God. Okay, so that's what Paul's talking about by this idea of living in reality. And then he says rejoice in it. The first, so last week, Jordan was preaching on this idea of not having joy in evil. The word is injustice or unrighteousness. Do not, do not find joy in the things that are wrong. And then this week, Paul says, but rejoice. It's a different word. I know sometimes it's translated the same. It's a different word. Rejoice with. Rejoice with the reality. Rejoice within reality. That word within is part of the Greek here. Rejoice within that reality. You have to jump into God's narrative. You have to be willing to participate in God's story. And that's where we're called to rejoice in our life. I love that Paul gives us the way to, to land the plane uh, practically today. This, this idea of rejoicing within this reality of God. Where do you find your joy? Where do you find your joy? That might seem like a question that is neutral, but really we have to cultivate where we find our joy. We kind of make that decision on our own. And some, we, every evening you have to decide what you're going to do with your time. And usually it's around the idea of what's going to bring me joy. <laughs> you know, if you turn on Netflix or if you flip on your, your phone, if you decide to have a family game night, Whatever you do, if you, if you keep working in the evening, whatever you do, Paul is saying, he's encouraging us, be people who are, who are seeking out joy within God's narrative. That's where Paul lands this week for us. And so here's the challenge that I see Paul giving us. How are we going to, as a church, choose to find joy in God's story this week? And I want, I want to do something together as a church to take a first step together. We have three challenges here. One has to do with Urban Promise Los Angeles, uh, Family Rescue Center, and, and someone else that you know in your life. I think it would be wonderful if we all chose one of those three and we intentionally rejoiced with that person or with one of those organizations that we partner with here on campus. And rejoicing with them will, will mean different things for each of you. It could be as simple as just giving them a, a text or, or a phone call. Your, your joy could lead you to, to encourage them 
You know, Urban Promise Los Angeles was out here yesterday. If you, when you're leaving, take a look over here on the grass. You'll see all the flower beds that they've started to build. They, they're partnering to make a community garden out here in this space behind the office. What a beautiful thing. The ways they're working with, with youth here in Canoga Park. It is amazing what they're doing. We need to rejoice with them. Rejoice in that reality. Maybe you want to reach out to Family Rescue Center and, and all the work that they are, are trying to accomplish to meet the practical needs of people in our community. How, how might you send them a note of some sort or just call in <laughs> instead of being someone that's calling in to <laughs> create more um, problems, just call in and say, I see you. You're doing amazing work. That's all. We're praying for you. Imagine that to get such a phone call. Or maybe it's someone that you know in your life. Maybe it's a, a child. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's a friend. Someone that you can reach out to and find joy in blessing them. Find joy in being a part of God's narrative. Find joy in not living in the illusion, but in the truth. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would give us the, the joy as we enter into step into your story for each of our lives. Lord, we, we give you such praise. We want to glorify your name because you came to show us that this life in reality, this life of carrying out the mission of God, of connecting us back to yourself and, and to one another and to give us now our purpose of living your model, of living your love. Lord, I ask that in the, this next time of worship and with music and of offering, that you would help us consider where we could reach out to somebody or, or to an organization to rejoice in what's happening, to find our joy there in your story or in our own lives, Lord, where, where we're focusing on you and it brings us joy. We want to enter into that. So help us. May your spirit help us to enter into this, um, this space of living water Help us, Lord, to leave the broken cisterns to the side and to return our eyes to you, to the ways of your plan for our lives. But you are our number one. We return our hearts to you today. Our focus is on you today. And I ask that you would orient all of the desires that we have the, the good ones, Lord, the, the, being parents or, 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 good, or a good partner in, in, in relationships or uh, good people in our workplaces, Lord, I take, I take all of these and put them before you, asking you to align all of these, these beautiful and powerful pursuits, all these passions, align them to your will. May our focus be on you as, we are, as that guides us to be better parents, to be better children to be better people here in this society. 
Lord, help us live in reality and find joy there. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to enter into our time of